0: BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back.
1: Hello, this is the Redbox Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. And before we get underway with the episode, we can go straight to Boris Johnson for the very latest coronavirus advice.
2: Uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, as a, as a, uh, a, uh, 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 the, uh, out to, 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 uh, 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 that, uh, you, uh, for instance, uh, do not, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, 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 the numbers of, uh, of doctors, 10,000 more nurses, uh, you'll turn to that that earlier, the NHS, David, as I said, that is where we are anyway, Chris. He was asked a
1: question at the press conference. He spoke for four minutes, and almost a quarter of that you've just heard. Just ums and urs from one answer. So the king of the three word slogan can barely get a word out. Luckily, Kiss starmer has got a new three word slogan instead. What is it again? Security of prosperity um and um uh, and and uh, uh and, and um respect brilliant well it's wednesday so it must be p m q s unpacked well it is and it isn't. Because MPs were returning to Westminster from their Christmas recess, they started a bit later, which meant the PMQs was at three o'clock, not during my radio show, but during Mariella Frostrops. So Mariella plays the part of me and I play the part of Tim Shipman or Patrick Maguire as we pause the action live from the House of Commons to analyse in real time what's going on across the dispatch box. But that's not the only change in casting. A few hours before PMQs was due to get underway, it was announced that Keir Starmer had tested positive for coronavirus again. I tweeted pointing out that he'd been told to self-isolate six times now and had tested positive three times and maybe should donate his body to science. A senior Labour source got in touch to point out that although, yes, he had self-isolated six times, he'd only actually tested positive twice. No word, though, on body donation. So, that's going up in a moment. PMQ's Unpacked with me and Mariella Froshtop watching Angela Rayner taking on Boris Johnson in the House of Commons. But first, we kick off with our columnist panel. It's Alibert, newly coined since uh, just before Christmas. That's Alice Thompson. And provided the Bert, is Robert Crampton. So, let's talk about uh, vaccinations. Mm. And, um, it, you know, there's, there's, and who is vaccinated and who isn't? And this... Boris Johnson sort of keeps hinting at it and then slightly rowing back again. So he did it before because he said we need to have a national conversation about basically people who don't get vaccinated. And, you know, we can't put the whole country into lockdown for 10, 20 percent of people who aren't going to get the jab. Uh, and meanwhile, in uh, Australia, uh, there are very tough rules on who can and can't, uh, what you can and can't do if you haven't been jabbed. Uh, but they've waived them to let Novak Djokovic in. Uh, Australians is very angry about this because he was exempted from vaccination laws. Everyone, all players and staff at the toilet must be vaccinated. Uh, but um, uh, Australians have criticised officials, politicians, Djokovic himself because of it. Um, what do you make of this, Alice?
3: I think from the Australian point of view, it's appalling just because if you have a very strict rule and then you let someone in because they happen to be a brilliant tennis player, it, it does, however brilliant they are, it does plays a Calling me badly, because you're saying you've got one rule for one, and one for the others, which, as we know in Britain, is a thing that drives us completely insane as in Barnard Castle. So I -hmm. would say, you know, you have to get vaccinated. I also think it's very difficult if you've got the number one tennis player not being vaccinated because then you get all his fans and anyone who's a sports lover all looking at him thinking, well, if he's not vaccinated, why are Mm. we getting vaccinated? What's the reason he's not? Why is he being told by all his sporting experts that he isn't? And it may be there is a medical reason he can't be vaccinated, but if it's just because he feels that it's compromising his body in some way, that's not a great message, really, for everyone else.
4: What do you think, Robert? I think jo- uh, Djokovic is a bit like Prince Harry; is one of those guys who was really popular two or three years ago, and now people have a rather lower opinion of him. You know, he used to be this kind of jokey guy, and then and uh, who everybody admired, and now with his stance on vaccinations, uh, that you, if you remember, he organised a disastrous tournament in uh, Split, I think it was uh, during in 2020, where everyone pretty much got got COVID, uh, and now he's is putting out this message like alice says he's a hero to uh lots of people he's a national hero in serbia and clearly there shouldn't be an exemption just because he's rich and famous and talented uh i wonder actually when all the smoke is cleared from all this from 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 the uh lockdowns and the pandemic whether there are going to be lots of stories about rich and famous people flying around the world to their heart's content in private jets and so forth i suspect there are yeah, well, you can sort track of, them, can't
3: you? That's my problem yeah. is that you can see that you can track the private planes and they are yeah. going all over the place. Yeah, I think it's going to there be there one There is of... that sense. Mm. And I think it's going to be the same with actually if people profiteering. There's going to be a sense of who made money out of COVID and yep. who, you know, who actually benefited because all of us are kind of, you know, everyone's, you know, everyone compromises to a certain extent yep. and people do bend the rules a bit, but very few people are making vast amounts of money no. out of it. And there are a few and that just does really, really anger people.
4: Yeah, that's all going to come out, I suppose. I mean, the real scandal, of course, talking about your column, Alice, is going to be care homes, isn't it? That's going to be, I mean, that is the ongoing scandal and will be even more so when we've got the full details on that, I think.
3: I think the problem about care homes is going to be very much that, that actually I mean, when you look at what's happened is the government felt so guilty that they didn't do anything about care homes mm-hmm. at the beginning of the pandemic that their reaction now has just to been to close them down the whole time. So they've yeah. really incarcerated these old people for two years, which I think in the end is just unacceptable, mainly because most of them only have about yeah. 18 months in the care home. So they just don't see their family for the last year of their lives.
1: And that, yeah. So let, let's talk about your. I thought it was terrific your column today. Mm, um, me too, uh, Alice. But um, you, you're right that it, it, it does. Feel, <laughs> it does feel like the, every, every time. I mean, it's a very difficult. I mean, I suppose it's sort of, sort of say at the at the top. It is incredibly difficult to know what to do about care homes because That's if right. you don't if you don't limit access to it, or you know, you end up with COVID ripping through care homes. So they limit access to it, and then you have this just unimaginable issue of elderly people often with dementia or other health problems not able to see their loved ones and it's a really it's a really uh, but but it does seem to be that we almost seem to make the, the, the exactly the wrong choice at every moment
3: and my problem i think with the care homes is that i felt that maybe exactly as you did that we should be locking down to
1: protect them but then having talked
3: to a lot of the providers and particularly this man jeremy richardson who has the third biggest set of care homes in that, looks after 167 homes with 8,000 people. He said that he feels like he's now being a prison warder and that Mm -hmm. actually it's completely wrong. And in the last few weeks, they've only had one death from Mm. COVID. So I think his view really chines me because I was thinking maybe if that's what they need, they should be locked up. But obviously... It's now causing more harm yeah. to most of the people than it is actually benefiting them in any way, and that he yeah. felt that people really are dying of loneliness now. And, I, and actually, I, my mother mm, did die of loneliness mm. last year. So I, I mean, she she just gave up after eleven months on her own. Mm. So I was felt very strongly that it's still going on on a year later, and that that really got to me in the end. I think.
1: I, I thought, suppose this is another mm. bit, Robert. it's sort of point 'cause I've, I've heard heard that so many times of people who have loved ones in care homes and and when those lockdowns mm. uh kicked in they basically gave up because those yeah. those family visits and stuff that was basic yeah for entirely understandable reasons that's, yeah. what, that's what kept them going and it's a reminder that well stopping everyone getting covid it, you, you know z- this sort of idea of zero covid completely yeah, ignores all of the other impacts
4: the uh i mean i thought it was a tremendous column very and, and very moving and the, the the stats that I that's what I took most from it but the stats that I took from Alice's column were that the average stay in a care home uh is 18 months uh and you you know and it ends with you you know in the obvious way and so it seems that if you're only there for 18 months your quality of life is hugely more important than the uh Maybe ext- you know, extending that by a li- the quantity by a little wh- way. I mean, in the other stats, I thought, you know, 400,000 people in England in care homes. And I think Alice said that in the run up to Christmas, 40 deaths from COVID compared with 1,800 uh, this time last year. That indicates to me that, uh, as she says in the column, the cure is now worse than the disease.
1: It's, it's, it's such a, mm. because, uh, you know, we've had, in fact, before Christmas, had a bit of a um, set-to with one epidemiologist who was mm. basically arguing that we must, you know, we must stop all deaths. We must have zero deaths, basically. You know, the, this is the general argument, not particularly what they were saying. But why isn't the government doing something to drive down
4: all this? is But that's like this, saying we should never, if we didn't drive cars, we wouldn't have any road traffic accidents, would we? Exactly. Yeah, I mean I think uh, what
3: was most painful for me was really seeing I have both my parents were in care homes when mm. covid started one my father's had dementia for 10 years so he's been in the care home for the last year or two and my mother really couldn't cope anymore and then she um, had an accident and went into care home so they were both in two different care homes at the beginning of the pandemic and my father's care home because everyone had dementia um, they just left it open because they had to, because they couldn't keep people in their rooms. So they yeah. carried on with their singing and their painting and their, you know, watching TV together. And they had a very, very low death rate. And actually, when they had COVID, they did survive. No one actually in the their home died of COVID. Whereas my mother's care home, where... They had myriad different issues. They um, were all shut in their rooms because they had to be. None of them had anything um, like dementia. But that it did really show because a lot of them did just give up. And I felt it was just too awful to see two care homes so close to each other with very different policies, partly because they had to have different policies. But the different outcomes were just so startling. And I did feel that in the end, you probably shouldn't have been so draconian.
1: And I suppose the point that you're making, uh, uh, Robert, picking out that eighteen-month figure that's mm. length, most people uh, would rather that that last year, eighteen months, was pleasurable, did get to see yeah. their families. Yeah, I, mean, um, I suppose the, the,
4: Yeah, the the, the the tough call is even if in in Alice's dad's case, the the dementia home, which had been much more open, even if they had had a bad outbreak, which they didn't, thank goodness, but if they had had it might still have been better
1: that's like yeah it's sort of worth
4: taking yeah, yes, yeah, yeah to 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 have had that that quality of life and having a sing song and watching the telly than being shut up in your room and you know maybe maybe surviving maybe not surviving because if you're talking about 18 months i guess most of us would tra- would trade off would would say well can you have half as long as that and have a great time or would you want that's another nice, 9 months exactly. and, then exactly. we'd we'd all we'd all probably go for the the good time wouldn't we
1: and so, yeah, and I suppose that's the thing that all those sort of headline figures behind, you know, when people talk about the headline figures and what happened in care homes, there's a really, you know, there's a, there's a real life impact on that. And those numbers mean a, mean a difference. Yeah. Let's end on a slightly more positive. <laughs> it's got
4: very uh, sombre, hasn't it? Yeah,
1: a, a more positive sort of outcome of uh, coronavirus um, and pandemics and lockdowns while everyone else is dressing down um, <laughs> as a result of, you know, the suit is dead. Everyone's in joggers and we're all dressing down
4: now. Uh, Robert, you're going in the opposite direction. Well, I'm trying to. I, uh, Poppy, the producer, said I was looking very smart, which is very sweet of her, uh, as I came into the studio. Uh, that, for me, counts as a pair of black jeans as opposed to blue jeans and a black jumper as opposed to a gardening shirt. So I'm making some progress <laughs> after five days. Uh, I think it was the influence of doing that James Bond uh, shoot, which, obviously, which I'm, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned, Matt, actually. Uh,
3: <laughs> He's jealous, I think. Yeah.
4: The, uh, I didn't want to bring it up. I know no. I've, I've, it's
1: been a while since I've been I've been press-ganged into um, yeah. dr- dressing up stupidly.
4: The, the difference is I'm not myself. I'm not press-ganged. I go very eagerly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my tuxedo on when I get home. So I think it's that. I think that's the thing. Uh I'm maybe just getting if, old, no, older and thinking I need to, you know, just smarten up a bit.
1: The uh, the uh the 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 spray t- I suit that is a spray hat, isn't it? The um yes that's a spray Wait, tan that's, I think they overdid it a slightly it. different
4: yeah I was a very orange yeah, I was going to say that I was a very a orange James Bond I was a very orange James Bond the lady who came to do the spray <laughs> tan said uh, you know how how much do you want and I just said I'll oh, just go for it and so she just put some more chemicals in the in the, <laughs> in the little box and I think I overdid <laughs> it I was very I orange
1: she was doing a fence stick a bit more um, yeah uh yeah, Rob Sealy. And so yeah, the point exactly. you were making is, is is that you've been going into meetings and, and senior colleagues have said you look like you've just come in for the garden. Yes. So you are smartening up. Yes. This is your New Year's resolution.
4: I am. I looked around and I realised I'm not, I'm not a, a young kid anymore. I mean, I haven't been for a long time, but I've sort of fooled myself that I have, have been. And uh, I've been here much more or less longer than anybody else now coming up. And uh, I thought, you know, I've got, to, I've got to start looking and have a bit of gravitas, you know. <laughs> for the um, clothing.
1: You, you've known uh, Robert for a long time, Alice. Do you think he needs to smarten up?
3: Well, actually, I was more impressed by the fact that he said in his column that he was doing the gutters, and that's why he was in his yeah. uh, sort of. Geez, I thought that was very impressive. I didn't know he did the gutters. I yeah. think
4: that, manual so unskilled labour, if you that's you are, my thing. Yeah,
3: manual. If you're doing that, I think then you have a reason to not be smart. But actually, yeah. it would be quite nice if everyone in the office, the men in particular, did smarten up a bit. I think the women are a bit smarter than the men in the office.
4: Actually. They are, aren't they? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. true. There's always this interesting debate as well about between tabloids and broadsheets, which it's really a, yeah. surprised me. Tabloids like, are always smart. Yeah. They're always smart. Always, they're always smarter, in a suit. Yeah. You must yeah. have a suit on. You could be going yeah. out to knock on a door at any point. And yeah. broadsheet people, it's all, you know, you, jumpers with holes in Yeah, yeah you still see that here with the people who have... The
4: people, who have, the people from, who've come over from tabloid backgrounds, they're all they're the smart ones here. You know, they're, they're, they're the, they're the jack and tie people.
3: Yeah, I yeah. can't think of anyone in a tie at the Times, so I have to say.
4: I can, but we don't want to get into names because he might be in the lift listening at the moment yeah
1: let's not let's not let's let's end it there
4: before any of us get fired (laughs) always excellent advice Matt
1: Alice Thompson and Robert Crumpton there and I'd recommend both reading Alice's column and uh, Robert's piece on being James Bond Uh, you just need to get yourself a subscription go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash times red box up next is PMQ's Unpacked
3: Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.
1: You're listening to the Red Box Podcast now. It's time for this. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley.
5: Well, yes, Matt Chorley does join us to help unpack Prime Minister's questions, which has been scheduled uh, later in the day. It's normally at 12 p.m. every Wednesday, so Matt gets first dibs on it, but I had a quick word with the speaker, you know, the sort of power I wield, and got it rearranged so we could cover it um, on the, this prem for once. Uh, Matt, welcome. I've I'm actually, I've tried to put the, uh, the Prime Minister's questions on my um, iPad, and I seem to be in some private session of Ministers at the moment, so I'm going to have to fiddle around with that, So. I'm I'm hoping you can give us a a sort of dissertation on PMQs and how it works. So first of all, are you expecting a kind of gentle entry into this new parliamentary session or or a punchy start to the year?
1: Well, it's all a bit, um, you know, as there have been with Pantos all over Christmas. The understudies are being called in. So uh, it's not normally you and I do this. Normally, uh, I'm joined by the Tim Shipman or Patrick McGuire to Paul's PMQs at midday. Uh, you're now playing the part of me. I'm playing the part of Patrick McGuire. But in the House of Commons, we've got standards as well, because just uh, a few hours ago, we heard that Keir Starmer's tested positive for COVID for the second time. So he can't turn up to uh, PMQs. So it's Angela Rayner standing in as well. And I have to say, Angela Rayner does tend to be a bit more fun uh, at PMQs. She's quite good at winding Boris Johnson up with sometimes slightly better jokes than he manages. So I'll be interested to see if she does that today.
5: Well, I did ask our listeners for questions that they had uh, for the prime minister in the sort of build up to our, our little session. And I have to say, um, if I had to take the general tone, they were pretty negative, pretty angry. You know, everything <laughs> from uh, why don't you resign to are you still there? Um, uh, one one about um, Boris's hair, but maybe we can come back to that in a moment because I think Angela Rayner is uh, just about to stand up. I've no idea why I haven't got it on my iPad. Um, but let's hear from the Deputy Leader of the Opposition, Angela Rayner, who's covering for Sakia Starmer, who's isolating again.
6: Deputy Leader of the Opposition, Angela Rayner. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and a Happy New Year to you and the rest of the House. Mr. Speaker, over the Christmas break, the world lost a giant in the fight of equality and human rights, the great Desmond Tutu. And I would like to offer my condolences to his family and to the people of South Africa. And I'd also like to thank all of those key workers who have kept our essential services running over the festive period. Particularly, all those staff and volunteers working at vaccination sites and our amazing NHS staff working incredibly hard with incredibly stretched circumstances but I know we're going to come on to that after PMQs with the Prime Minister and I'd also like to thank the formidable Sue Gray who I know has been busier than Santa over the festive period <laughs> Mr Speaker in October in October the Prime Minister said that fears about inflation were unfounded but working people across the country are starting the new year facing rising bills and ballooning prices. So how did he get it so wrong? Yeah.
2: Uh, well, Mr Speaker, uh, what the government has been, uh, and I, of course I said no such thing, because inflation is always something uh, that, that, we have to be, uh, that we have to be careful uh, about. But what we are doing, Mr Speaker, is making, is making sure making sure that we protect the people of this country throughout what is unquestionably going to be a difficult period. And that's why uh, we are ensuring that we've lifted the living wage uh, by record sums, uh, Mr Speaker. We make sure people have uh, cold weather payments, uh, making sure that they have the, uh, the warm homes discount, all the other protections, the £500 million uh, fund that we put in uh, to help local councils uh, look after people uh, through what will be a difficult Period. Uh, but the most important thing we can do to look after people during this very difficult time, uh, Mr Speaker, is to ensure that we take the balanced and proportionate approach uh, that we are. Uh, to ensure that we're able to keep our country and our society going, Mr Speaker. And uh, that is exactly what we are doing. And uh, that is why we doubled down on the booster programme, and that is why we are sticking with Plan B, Mr Speaker. And that's the right approach for the country. Angela Ray- well,
5: Matt, uh, Prime Minister, off to a confident start there. None of those er, uh, errs uh, that you were playing so happily on your on your show this morning. He seems to have developed the art of oratory in the meantime.
1: Yes, I mean, there's quite a lot to unpick there. So you had Angela Wendt kicking off with Tributes to Desmond Tutu. Then uh, she uh refer- the, what she referred to about coming on to later when she was referring to coronavirus is that Boris Johnson immediately asked the PMQs is doing a statement on coronavirus. So that's why she's chosen to go on something else, because she'll be able to grin on coronavirus later. Then that passing reference, blink and you miss it, to Sue Gray. Sue Gray is the only woman left standing who's investigating Boris Johnson's parties. You remember before Christmas, we had all this stuff about the parties. Simon Case, the cabinet secretary, was put in charge of parties. It then turned out that his office had, had a party. So he had to be taken off it. Sue Gray, as Angela Rayner said, busier than Father Christmas over Christmas. Uh, so, um, I just, su- I thought, I think we might come back to that parties, I suspect, with Angela Rayner. But the Labour Party also focusing on, and this is something I think there's some mileage to be had for the Labour Party, focusing on money in your pocket. Keir Starmer's big speech yesterday, security, prosperity and respect. Lots of, I mean, even he forgot the slogan yesterday. Um, but focusing on you know, money in people's pockets, loads of stuff, you know, inflation's up, the cost of living is up, taxes are about to go up, that's a government decision, energy prices are soaring. And um, this should be pretty fertile ground there. And I'm not sure Boris Johnson was, was particularly, I mean, he, he talked a lot. I'm not sure he gave a huge amount of reassurance that he either gets it particularly or was planning to do anything about it.
5: Well, I'm not sure he addressed the parties, uh, the Sue Gray reference, or <laughs> indeed the, 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 the money in the pocket issue. But let, let, let's go back and let's hear Angela's next question.
6: Mr. Speaker, inflation is about to hit 6%. That's the highest rate since the early 90s, when the Conservatives have been in power for over a decade, mad in their sleeves, with a divided party, a Prime Minister losing the support of his backbenchers and governing shambolically, and a Labour Party, Mr. Speaker, who is ready to take over and provide the Britain with a better future. They promised wage rises would offset inflation. They haven't, and they won't. Millions of British workers now face a further pay cut, and his chancellor is handing them a tax hike. Yes. What will the prime minister do
2: to get a grip of this? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I, I know that she. Uh, it's great to be here with the, the right honourable uh, lady of the shadow secretary of state for the future of work we know the future of the job that she has in mind uh, but uh, i wish her, i wish i wish i wish her well i wish her well uh, but what we are focused on what we are focused on mr speaker is delivering jobs for the british people and, and it is a quite extraordinary thing Uh, that there are now record numbers of people in work, Mr Speaker, 420,000 more than there were before the pandemic began, uh, Mr Speaker. Uh, We have youth unemployment at a record low, Mr Speaker, and never let it be forgotten uh, that when when Omicron hit this country... Uh, Mr. Speaker, what was their instinctive response? They said, yep, that's right, Mr. Speaker, they said they needed a roadmap, that we needed a roadmap to lockdown. If we listened to them, we wouldn't have anybody working at all, Mr. Speaker.
5: Uh, Matt, Angela's got plenty of grist for her mill there, as you predicted, you know, inflation at 6 percent, sleaze, a divided party, um, you know, promised wage rises that would offset inflation that haven't uh, materialized um, and millions of workers facing further pay cuts. Uh, do you think the prime minister was uh, as able to bat that one off uh, as he was the first?
1: Well, look, watching the feed, Angela Vane is really enjoying herself. Yeah, you know, when she was like, She's you know, grinning from ear to Angela... ear, isn't she? Yeah, and she's got. Her, yeah, she's she's having a, she's having a laugh and trying to paint. And this is the thing that the Labour Party have been trying to do with limited success so far. let say it's the nineties all over again. It's John Major. Um, you know, Whitley, Yeah, upset Tory backbenchers. Loads of sleaze. Time for a change. I think that the the Keir Starmer is Tony Blair is a bit of a stretch, but he wrapped himself in Tony Blair in in his uh, big speech yesterday. Boris Johnson making a joke about one of Angela Evangelianism. Job titles as the shadow secretary of state for the future of work. I think that's a joke that I might have made last year when she got the job. But anyway, we won't, um, we don't need to dwell I on that. I thought too he much. was
5: maybe having a dig at her wanting to be Prime Minister, uh, wanting oh, to yes, be leader of the Labour so. Party. Oh, yes, wanted
1: to be leader of the Labour Party. Wanting to be leader of the Labour Party. Because relations, relations between Angela Rayner and Keir Starmer are about as good as they are between Boris Johnson and his own MPs.
5: Um, uh, we have had. <laughs> I was trying to remember the, the funny um, question that we had from one of our listeners, and it's quite relevant looking at this footage now of the Prime Minister because it was: Do you backcomb? Has he had a haircut?
1: I'd, far from that, I think he might need to be doing a bit of backcombing because I mean it's not <laughs> for me to comment, but I would say uh, if he was a, a a cottage in a small rural village, I think you'd be getting the Thatcher in to uh, pack up some of the patch up some of the thinner. The thinner bits at the back it 's not so much that it's his trademark mess that everyone knows and does. I think the mess is sort of there's a certain amount of swirling that's going on to to cover up the thinner bits. Uh, you I should get a job.
5: From... On, you, sh- you could work with Anna Murphy on The Times. You could probably do beauty with that description of the hairdos. That's very, very very good <laughs> indeed. Uh, Can I ask you just a question? Because obviously um, this is not my normal territory insofar as I don't normally cover Prime Minister's questions. Is there a sense at all for you that the sort of jocularity that's being displayed by both uh, Angela Rayner and Boris Johnson at the moment is slightly at odds with the sort of mood of a nation, extremely worried, rising levels of... of uh, Omicron variant, you know, worried about jobs, worried about inflation, worried about paying the bills, worried about heating. It's a cold phrase. And and, and you know, this seems to be like sort of banter as usual. Though I think um, as Mameer, our colleague, has banned people from saying bant Now I'm going to be in trouble.
1: <laughs> I think you're right. Actually, there are if you, you know, if, if out in the real world, dare I say, it, you're right. There are a whole load of things, whether it is concerns about Omicron, schools, hospitals, the cost of living. There's a lot of serious stuff there. And actually, I think one of the things which has happened, which I've really noticed in the last 18 months uh, to two years of sort of coronavirus PMQs is the sort of two... Is the, because it's been the same subject every week, again and again and again. It's just sort of oh, coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. Mm. As a result, there's not the same sort of interrogation. We sort of know, we know where labor are. We know that Boris Johnson's going to say as he did there, if it was up to the Labour Party, we'd still be in lockdown because of something they said last year um whereas pre coronavirus and actually pre brexit you would get the opposition they would ask about schools one week, transport the next week uh benefits mm-hmm. payments the following week, and you might get the slight sense of an interrogation of the Prime Minister. Which you're right, this does seem a bit a bit just. Also, I think the fact that we've got Angela Rayner doing the stand-in probably um, feeds into that a bit as well.
5: Well, let's go back and see how Angela Rayner's interrogation of the Prime Minister is going. This is round three. Ding, ding.
6: Mr. Mr Speaker, I've heard on the grapevine there might be a vacancy for Prime Minister soon, so maybe I should have aspirations. The Prime Minister pretends it's not his fault. Global forces, he blames the market. Mr. Speaker, we're an aspirational party. Maybe the Prime Minister needs to be more aspirational for this country. But, Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister has made political choices that have led us into this place. His government has failed to invest in long term energy security. His government decided to let gas storages collapse. His government let the energy market run out of control. 27 energy companies have gone bust in the last year. And now household bills are going through the roof. Or as the money saving expert Martin Lewis put it, there will be a seismic hit on energy bills. Can't the Prime Minister see what's happening yet again? Working families are picking up the tab for his incompetence.
2: Well, Mrs Speaker, she talks talks about energy. I think the House will agree she's got... A lot more energy in the current lead of the, uh, of, the, uh, of of the opposition and, and, I, and i I, I welcome her, uh, her point because actually what the government is doing is supporting people throughout the uh, the pandemic uh, two point two million people supported with the warm homes uh, discount mr. speaker worth one hundred and forty pounds uh, per week which we introduced uh, pensioners supported uh, with the three hundred pounds winter fuel payments uh, mr. speaker cold Cold-weather payments worth £25 a week for 4 million people up and down the country, Mr Speaker. That is what we are are doing, Mr Speaker, and that is on top of everything we're doing to support uh, people on low incomes, cutting uh, taxes for those on universal credit, increasing increasing the living wage, £1,000 more, for everybody on the living wage, up record sums. And, Mr Speaker, let me just remind the House of the fundamental difference between that party and this government. And they, they, would have, they would have kept us in lockdown in July, Mr Speaker. And when, Omicron, when Omicron hit, they were calling for further restrictions. We've been, that's right, Mr Speaker. We've been able to keep this country moving and keep the economy growing and keep the money coming into people's pockets, Mr Speaker.
5: Hmm. <laughs> Matt, brave words, though. He may regret saying that they called for uh, further restrictions when Omicron uh, was first identified, you know, if the the case numbers keep uh, going up as they are at the moment. But, I mean, very much sort of familiar territory there, isn't it? You know, from Labour, working families are picking up the tab for the Prime Minister's incompetence and so on. But what about this um, Labour is the aspirational party? Is that something that that, that you think did come across from Keir Starmer's speech uh, yesterday? Does it feel like that? It's it's an unusual... uh, term to describe them with
1: yeah and i think it's it's there's a problem that it has been identified by pollsters and experts and focus groups and all that sort of thing that labor is is seen not to be particularly aspirational but the risk i think is that all patriotic or, or you know other things that were criticism of jeremy corbyn the risk then is you just go around saying we are patriotic and aspirational and forward thinking and whatever um you need to sort of show, not tell. You know, you need a collection of policies and positions that that show that you are aspirational rather than just saying we are aspirational. Because lots of people who are aspirational don't know that they're aspirational. They just think that that's how you live your life or you want to improve things and that sort of thing. I also think there's a slight risk with Angela Rayner because she's sort of starting each question with a gag uh, and then trying to get back to energy companies as well. Um, I'm mm. not sure it's sort of amounting to a huge amount so far. Although I have to say, I did just look up one of the things that Boris Johnson was boasting about is the cold weather payments. Which, yeah, the £300 Yeah, so you get £25, 25 pounds a week if it gets cold. They were introduced in 1988. So of all, I mean, it's, it's not, it, sometimes it's a bit of a cheek, I think, when Boris Johnson claims credit for something that Theresa May and David Cameron did, given that most of the time he pretends he has nothing to do with uh, their governments, I think to now be claiming credit for uh, something that happened under, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it was. Is he talking about, about anyway. the escalation
5: of that payment, though?
1: <laughs> I
5: mean, I, wonder, I, I don't know. Say, he, he,
1: when... I think he just basically read out everything that was available to anyone connect, <laughs> loosely connected with energy in his big red book.
5: He's been collecting post-its, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> what about his, um, I, I don't know, I mean, he, he uh, is it endorsement or was he patronising Angela Rayner when he said that she has more energy?
1: <laughs> it's. All, I mean, that's sort of good knockabout stuff. That Boris Johnson, I think, feels more comfortable, weirdly, with, um, although she winds him up successfully by being funny, he'd much rather have banter as we're not allowed to call it uh with angela rayner whereas the sort of sl- slightly straight and serious Keir stomach he slightly struggles a bit more with and you know and he can warm up his back benches with some jokes that he's prepared beforehand and it's actually a bit busier on the tory benches than it is on the labour benches which is interesting i wonder whether some labour mps have uh chosen to stay away i mean interestingly Absolutely everyone, as far as I can tell, has got a face mask on, apart from uh, Boris Johnson, Angela Rayner and the speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, uh, which is quite a big change, even from a few weeks ago.
5: Yeah. And a suggestion that things are still pretty serious out there. We've had a text in from Leo, our regular listener, Leo. We both know Leo, don't we, Matt? He says, Dear Matt and Mariella... uh, would you both agree that Angela Rayner has so much more character and entertainment value at PMQs compared to Keir Starmer? Well, I think you probably won't agree with that, Matt. But um, can't he stay in isolation every Wednesday, says Leah? Well, I think she's, she's also entertaining. Wait, wait, oh,
1: Whether or not that makes you the prime, prime ministerial material, I don't know. That's the question. Yeah, I no, they've, I think they've tried to, to pitch to it as a sort point. of John Prescott, Tony Blair dynamic. She's the, the, the funny northerner who gets everyone fired up and gives them a laugh and then... K is with a slightly more serious guy, but whether or not he has a Tony Blair's charisma is a Slightly
5: separate question. Yeah, and I, I also think to your point. I mean, you know, on the on the sort of jokey brushing things off front, it's hard to beat Boris, isn't it? So, uh, you know, stepping into those shoes might not be the the, the best possible route yeah, yeah. to to getting the best of him in a way. Uh, Leo also wants to know whether we, uh, whether you think um, or whether we think Rayner is relishing this opportunity to flex her muscles as a potential future Labour leader. I sort of feel that's where the comedic element is coming from, Matt.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's. It's definitely true. She loves it. She loves it. You know, and I know her team have spent the morning trying to come up with jokes and, um, uh, and you know, or, or a soundbite that will get her on the news tonight because quite often Keir Starmer fails to do that. So, yeah, that, that, that she she relishes being in the spotlight like this, whether or not she's the one who's going around rubbing coronavirus on Keir Starmer's doorknob. <laughs> I wouldn't like to speculate.
5: I mean, he's not a great ad for vaccinations, is he? But uh, maybe more of that later. Um, Let's go back to Angela Rayner for uh, question number four.
6: What this prime minister is doing is increasing taxes to the hardworking people of this country. That's what he's doing. That's what he didn't promise in his manifesto. But that's what he's doing to the people. And I quote Mr Speaker. The poorest households spend three times more on their income on household energy bills than the richest households spend. VAT on energy bills makes gas and electricity more expensive. Not my words, Mr Speaker, but the words of the Prime Minister himself. When energy bills are going to be hiked again in April, any decent government would find a way to help British families. Even the Tory backbenchers have finally accepted Labour's call to cut VAT on energy bills. So will he finally stand up to his Chancellor and
2: do the same? Mr. Speaker, let me remind. She wasn't obviously listening to the previous answer. Uh, let me let me remind her: the Warm Homes Discount already 2.2 million people supported to the tune of 140 pounds a week. Pensioners supported uh, with 300 pounds uh, through the Winter Fuel Payment. Uh, the 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 cold weather payments for 4 million people. And she now they now have the effrontery, Mr. Speaker, having campaigned and she did too, I think. Didn't she? Yes. I think. Yes. Oh yes, she campaigned to remain in the EU. Yes. Oh yes, oh yes she did. Uh, they now have the barefaced cheek to come to 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 this House of Commons and say that they want to cut VAT on fuel, when everybody knows, and he did too, Mr Speaker, everybody knows full well it would be absolutely impossible if they were to do what Labour would do and go back into the EU, remain aligned with the EU single market. That is the objective of the Labour Party. They can't be trusted on Brexit, Mr Speaker, and they can't be trusted on the economy.
5: Well, Matt, um, returning to uh, that spurious claim that you date back to 1988 in terms of, of, of winter fuel and making quite a big deal of that. And also, you know, the, the VAT cut, impossible to do that in the EU. I, I'm surprised that he's so eager to bring up Brexit because there are so many other elements of, of the economy at the moment that, that could be sort of used to refute his claims that, that, that we're better off, are
1: there not? Yeah. And actually, it's a really, you know, it's such an old trick that the um, Angela Rayner pulled where you get up and you read out something which is damning about the government's uh, current position. And then you say, not my words, Mr. Speaker. It's the words of the prime minister or the cabinet minister or whatever it might be. And because it's and, and what she was doing there was she was reading out Boris Johnson three times during the referendum Uh, promised that one of the upsides of leaving the eu would be that you could take because eu rules meant you couldn't have zero vat on energy Mm. bills he wrote in the sun fuel bills will be lower for everyone as the five percent vat rate could be axed right now downing street are saying that it's it's more that, that we we have the option that's the beauty of brexit we have the option Uh, to cut VAT on uh, energy bills. Um, They're just not choosing to take that option. And so you do have this slightly weird situation where Boris Johnson promised something in order to win uh, the EU referendum. The Labour Party, having long been accused of being Remainers, are now saying, well, we now are outside the EU, Brexit's happened, why do we use these powers and cut the energy bills? And then the government, the uh, brexit supporting government, are the ones who are saying, no, we're not going to do that. I mean, there is a bit, there's a separate conversation about whether or not it's particularly well targeted. Because if you took VAT off, you and I would benefit from that, Mariella. Uh, whereas mm. you might be able to, you know, there might be other ways of directing help at those who are really struggling with the energy bills. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's I, a slightly bit, people try to follow it. It's a bit confusing who's on who? which side.
5: But I think it, absolutely the one thing that can't be argued is that this whole business with, uh, you know, energy companies and the energy crisis and, and the rise in energy costs is a, is an incredibly uh, kind of potent topic, isn't it? I mean, people are really animated about it and are really feeling the pinch and it looks like it's going to kind of carry on until the government do respond in some way uh, in terms of what they're going to do about it. I was interested in the way that Angela Rayner uh, was there sort of pitting Rishi and Boris against each other, you know, will <laughs> yeah, he stand up to his chancellor? That was That was quite an interesting little
1: move there. Yeah, well, so that's, that's exactly the same. Boris Johnson's trying to wind her up and needle the relationship between Angela Rayner and Keir Starmer. And she does the same, because the relationship between Boris Johnson and, and Rishi Sunak isn't great either.
5: Well, let's go back to Angela Rayner, um, who looks like she's rather enjoying herself for the um, penultimate question, I think. Question number five.
6: So, Prime Minister, how's it going? Are you OK? Yeah. <laughs> the Prime Minister and his Chancellor... Have presided over economic mismanagement, low growth, and neglect of our public services. And their resolution to fix this, whacking more taxes on working people. Combine the tax rise with soaring energy prices, and the average family faces a hit of over £1,200. This is an iceberg, Mr. Speaker. Right ahead. So, will he finally stop and change course? Order, order, order.
1: We started the new year not in the way we left the last one. You did give me an assurance we were going to try and calm down. So, if we can, it will be helpful. Angela Rennie. Right.
6: Mr. Speaker, £1,200 hit right away. So, will he finally stop and change course, or will he plough on towards what will be a disaster? for
2: thousands of families Uh, Mr Speaker, as a direct result of what we've already done on Universal Credit, a single mother with two kids is £1,200 better off Mr. Speaker, as a result of what we've done with the living wage, Mr. Speaker, introduced by this Conservative government, they never let it be, never let it be forgotten. Uh, everybody on the living wage has seen another thousand uh, pounds in their income every year, Mr. Speaker. But, the, but the, that's not the point. The fundamental, we will continue to look after people throughout the pandemic. But the fundamental point is that because of the steps the government has taken because of the tough decisions we've taken because of the balanced and the proportionate approach that we've taken to Covid we've been able to keep this country open keep our economy moving more open than any other comparable economy in Europe and they know it Mr Speaker and they opposed it every step of the way and that's why people are seeing increases in employment and increases in their pay packets as well well, did she
5: hit a, a sore point there? Iceberg right ahead. Will he finally stop and change course, Angela Rayner's words. But I wasn't quite sure which uh, specific uh, policy she was talking about there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think um, I suspect that was the clip she wants for the news. I don't know. She might do a proper preparation for her last question, but the, yeah, this is an iceberg that's about to hit. Family's been hit by a bill extra one thousand two hundred pounds. That's the message they want to get across um, on the news. It's, the thing that's worth pointing out one of the upsides of uh, all the MPs wearing masks in the House of Commons is that cabinet ministers think they can't be seen laughing. Now, I a couple of times when <laughs> the camera was cut to the front benches, I'm pretty confident that Rishi Sunak and Simon Hart, the Welsh secretary, quite enjoying Angela Rayner needling Boris Johnson on one or two. When she said, are you OK? It was very close to you OK, hun, uh, across the dispatch box. They were laughing along with her. So they seem to be enjoying themselves as well.
5: Well, I don't know. Speaking of things that, that weren't quite said, did you notice that he nearly said, barefaced cheek to come to this... Co- and then stopped. I thought, oh, oh my yes. God. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where, where he was going uh, with that answer, the prime minister. Anyway, let's go back to the, the final question from Angela Rayner.
6: Mr Speaker, this Prime Minister always gives with one hand and takes away with the other. Under this Prime Minister, the country is worse off. Prices for everyday goods are soaring out of control. Hard-earned savings will be hit and the wages of working people won't go as far. Inflation isn't an economic bit theory, it has serious consequences for people's lives. We need serious solutions, Mr Speaker, to stop the people falling into poverty or debt. Instead, Mr Speaker, we have this Prime Minister and his incompetent leadership. And every time we are faced with a challenge, he denies there's a problem. He tries to laugh it off. He looks for someone else to blame. So can I suggest to the Prime Minister, it's not about brushing your hair, it's about brushing up on your act. Does he accept his incompetence is taking our country backwards and costing our country dear? Yeah.
2: No, Mr Speaker, what I what I tell the House and tell the country is that Labour incompetence has ruined this country time and time again. Yeah a Labour government that has left office with unemployment lower than when they came in. And what is her answer, Mr Speaker, to the energy crisis? It is to nationalise our our energy. Uh, It was in fact Labour's failure to invest in uh, supply over over a decade or more uh, that reduced our ability uh, to have uh, cheaper, uh, cleaner energy. Mr Speaker, we are rectifying that. We're taking the tough decisions that this country needs for the long term. And it's because we've taken those tough decisions, Mr Speaker, uh, because we've taken the balanced and proportionate approach uh, that we have, that they oppose every step of the way, that we have youth unemployment at a record low. We have 420,000 more people in jobs now than there were before the pandemic began. And, Mr Speaker, we not only have the most open uh, society and economy in Europe, but we also have the fastest economic growth in the G seven. Uh, completely contrary to what she has just said, Mr. Speaker. And that is because of our stable, balanced and proportionate approach. And and when when never let it be forgotten, when Omicron when Omicron presented itself, what did they go for? They reached for the lever of more restrictions. They said lockdown, Mr Speaker, we said boosters, they carp from the sidelines, we get on with the job.
5: Well, Matt, I have to say, I very much enjoyed spending this extra time with you, but I found the whole proceedings slightly unilluminating, to be fair. I don't normally, (laughs) as I say, focus in on it as 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 forensically as you do. Well, exactly. (laughs) But but I mean, it does feel like sort of party politics uh, back in the 1990s. I don't know. It just feels like very sort of retro Um, and we have basically run out of time. So let's have a, a closing statement from you, Matt Chorley, on on the first PMQs of the year.
1: So I think Angela Rayner did a decent job of focusing on something that people care about, i.e. your energy bills are going up loads. She has a decent soundbites in there. She'll probably get herself on the news bulletins tonight. There was a bit of knockabout. Nothing as far as I could tell that really upset the horse. You know, Tory MPs aren't going to think that Boris Johnson's on the ropes particularly. But whatever you think of Boris Johnson and Angela Rayner, spare a thought for Ed Davey, the leader of the Lib Dems. He's just popped up to ask a question. Ed Davey, the actual leader of the Lib Dems, gets up and the speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, called him Ed Balls. Oh, uh, no! (laughs) And he stood up, asked about the energy crisis, and in response, uh, Boris Johnson uh, responded to his question saying, Balls is the word. So no matter how bad you think your day's going, at least you're not Ed Davey. That's so all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. and We bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from.
0: This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at Lutonrising.org.uk.